Next Chapter Podcasts. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend. The king of these four, Angelo, talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. A beba da beba da ba deba da do ba da ba dee ba ba dee da da do da da dee ba da ba dee do do. I hear that. I love this song. I heard this the first time I bought this when Brian Wilson did it in 2004, and it's still, it still tings with excellence. It's Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys from the 2011 album The Smile Sessions. It's also three. 81 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, police army? You little kadoogly dooglies. It's a big week. This is a long record. If you could listen to this whole record and you can prove that you did and you... I don't know how you can prove it to me, but if you can, I'm going to send you a bumper sticker. Have you been watching the podcast, everybody? There are two ways to watch this. Every Wednesday, we publish full episodes to Patreon for the 500 Club members, paying $5 a month or more. And I appreciate every single one of you guys that has been a part of the Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. And if you can't afford it, because I know times are tough, we post all the videos to our YouTube every Thursday. I got some shows. March 4th through the 7th, I will be at the House of Comedy in Minnesota. And March 11th through the 13th, I will be at American Comedy Company in San Diego, headlining both six shows in Minnesota. I think, I think six shows in San Diego. Double check my website, joshadamires.com. I want to see you guys there. Wear your best fleece. Come out to the shows. Support, dude. So let's talk about the Beach Boys. Some of you are huge fans of this band. Some of you hold them up to the pedestal of the band that created one of the most influential records of all time, Pet Sounds. And some of you are like me and just know the hits. You know what I mean? You just know, Mama, get around. I get around here. Get around. I could have been so good uh, as the bass and the Beach Boys. And when we were prepping to do this record, I started talking to my main man, Morty, at DJ Morty Coil follow him and I started hearing the the story of the lead up to this record coming out and I realized you know I think the story is more important than the actual music on this record and you'll find out why so instead of me reading the intro for you guys this week uh, we have Morty on the podcast and me him and my guest are gonna go through all of it and it was a super fun episode and 
My guest is my very, 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 very close friend, Daniel Van Kirk. Uh, Daniel is one third of Dumb People Town with the Sklar Brothers and one half of Pen Pals with Rory Scoville, where you, the audience, are the podcast. They're just doing the work, the Lord's work. DVK went to go see Brian Wilson not too long ago, and the story is hilarious, and we're going to talk all about it in this episode. Really, really fun to do. Don't forget to subscribe to The 500 on all platforms, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, help us out. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media, and go to my website, joshadammyers.com, for all shows, clips, podcast stuff related. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan at 500 Podcast with Jam. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but hey, Beach Boys, you want to do it? Well, here we go with number 381, the smile sessions by the Beach Boys on the 500 Podcast. Be that and do. Now enjoy the episode, cause it's kinda fun And you new Here is that fucking episode On the way back, let's perfume through the air Dan Banker no doubt. I haven't done that shit in a while, and it feels so good. See, you were one of the first people that reacted that way. Most people stare at me. Fuck yeah, dude. This is going to be a good one. Why? Has anybody ever seen a musical? If someone starts singing for no reason, you join in. You'll find the you'll find the chorus. <laughs> Some people... Dude, I've done that. I did that to... Oh, I'm not going to get started about Peter Asher, but... <laughs> just listen to the Peter Asher episode. Most people have already commented on it. Um, so, Daniel... Yeah, Dan, sure. The most sexy bald man that I know in the I'm world. <sighs> Tell me about your relationship with the Beach Boys. I've loved them my whole life. So my family has like a little shack of a cottage. You would be way over your skis to call it a lake house. It's not. And my whole we got we started that. Like I think I was six or seven years old. So until the age of like 14, I thought that the only station that came in was 94.9 WOLX oldies. So the Beach Boys like lived in my pretty much my entire childhood. And then at that point, if you've listened, if that's all you've listened to forever, you're still always going to love it. And yeah, the Be- I had that. I had like a cassette tape of the Beach Boys when I was a kid that I would listen to over and over and over. We had a neighborhood girl whose name I can't remember. Um, she's this little redhead girl. And- we, we were probably like 12 or 11 and she said sometimes she would go into her room and play surfer girl and cry. And we were like, wall way too young to understand whatever she was dealing with, that <laughs> she was doing that at that age. Um, but yeah, man, it also like fly to the navigator. Like when the beach song. boys, Oh, the movie, really? what the movie flight of the navigator. No, I'm pretty sure a beach boy song is used in flight of the navigator. I think it's, I get around. Right, I can see that it's a very, very popular. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. One hundred percent. So uh, they've always been a part of my life, leading up to a couple of years ago when I will talk about it eventually. But I saw Brian Wilson in concert at the uh, Rest in Peace Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. No, tell me about it. Tell me, like, Dude, it's so, wild, I mean, wild. 
Tell me all about it. It was their first show of the Brian Wilson tour, which eventually came here to the Hollywood Bowl and stuff like that. And so they hadn't worked anything out. And as we all know, like Brian Wilson's been working things out for decades and decades. So uh, sometimes he would stop playing the music and literally like be sitting on the dock of the bay in his own mind somewhere. And then other times he would start, he would join back in and uh, Al Jardine was the only other beach boy that was there with him. And so sometimes they would go to start a song and he'd go, no. And so they'd all stop. And then he'd be like, let's play. And he would just start playing a, a different song that they had not put on the set list. And as performers, we know, like, especially in music, you can tell sometimes there's a show going on within the show. Right. And so I don't know if the rest of the audience is picking up on this, but like I was picking up, like when we see a comic, like go like, okay, you're like, Oh, they fucking, there was a lot more <laughs> than like, that word. Like that yeah. didn't work or like, well, they're mad they're at somebody, up. right. They're yeah. mad at a server who, whatever. So like, <laughs> They were like, I think it was Jardine. Is that how you say his last name, right? Al Jardine? Yeah. Jardine yeah. was like, he was saying things like, um, like he'd go like, hope you guys are enjoying this. We're figuring it out too. And you'd be like, like they're like, hope everybody's having fun because it sure is wild up here. Like he's tr- like commenting on the fact that like it, this is off the rails. Cause some, they'd be in the middle of a Beach Boys song and Brian Wilson, nobody can see me other than you guys, but. He would just stop and just like stare off for a while and just zone out. Yes. Now the crazy thing is, you know who opened that show? People equally as old, and one of them has passed away. Paul M- monkeys. No, uh, the zombies, and the zombies crushed. The zombies really? are yes, man. I remember I went to. You might be able to see it in the background. I went to Desert Trip. Um, oh yeah, the one with like Bob yeah. Dylan and Paul yes. McCartney. First, first old, night old man was Yeah, first <laughs> night was Dylan Stones. Second night was uh, Neil Young and Paul McCartney. Third night was The Who and Roger Waters. So it was phenomenal. But I remember being at Desert Trip and overhearing in the merch line two guys in a big argument about why the zombies could have been as big as the Beatles. Whatever the beat, the zombies crushed. So and you know they sing it's. It's uh, what's your name? Who's your daddy? Is he rich? Is he rich like me? Yeah, and then Eminem like sampled it like four years ago. They were unreal, unreal. And then and then it came out the Brian Wilson experiment, and like it just it was kind of this is gonna sound like a joke, right? But it was really just sad. Like it it was kind of sad because he would have these flashes of like totally there, and then and then not. So yeah, the Beach Boys long longest answer to your short question uh part of my life my whole life so besides the hits because everybody knows the hits Mm -hmm. tell me what about this record what about the the smile sessions like when did you first hear that i have always heard parts of this and never listened to the whole thing until until we were coming to do this so like i was like oh i've listened to this and oh i've listened to this i've listened to this like I really like everybody and their brother who like thinks they become a cool guy like got deep into pet sounds and I felt like a familiarity with it with finally having like seen Brian Wilson live. But for me, I mean, I, we'll get into it. Like I know that it was 9.0 on Pitchfork and five stars in Rolling Stone, but like there's a lot of this album that doesn't work for me, but the pa- but like the passion and the story that you, you know, you, you know, that we'll get into, like 
is amazing. You're speaking my gospel right now. This is like this is why I brought Morty onto the show because so first of all, let me just say this because I'm much like you. Beach mm-hmm. Boys were everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was I'm digging up. It's like <laughs> this, like good vibrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I'd always heard the talk about pet sounds, but for me, I just never got into them. And like the hits are so great, but I always thought every song kind of sounded like this. JT, play the clip that I asked you to pull up. <laughs> all I ever hear since Mr. Show has done Mouth Without Sores. Mm-hmm. That's how I hear the they hear the Beach Boys now. And then I always thought there was like this beef between the Beach Boy fans and the Beatles fans. And I'm fucking Beatles to the extreme. And I didn't think that you could like you could you could like Pet Sounds and like Sgt. Pepper. That's this is Why? just which I I don't know. I just this is just what I created in my head. <laughs> and and so what I've realized from listening to this record that the Beach Boys is Americana, it's baseball, it's, it's something that, that only exactly what I was gonna say. It's only could be done in America. Like they couldn't do this, like they couldn't do fucking, you know, surfer girl in Germany. Like a German band couldn't couldn't sing any of this. I don't um, know. But what I but what I found to be so interesting about this record, because much like you, like I bought the 2004 Morty's at 2004 when smile, the yeah, Brian Wilson smile came Brian out. Wilson presents. Yeah. Brian yeah, Wilson so, presents. Smile. Mm-hmm. So I got that because all the hoopla about how great this record was and how important this record was. And I was like, all right, well, if it's like, everybody's talking about it, I got to get it. Sure. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, it's all right. There's some really good stuff on there. But like you said, there's a lot of shit that I'm just like, whatever about. I mean, some of it just sounds like a hat on top of a hat stack. Yes. A hat on top of a hat stack supreme. Um, but, but then I talked to Morty earlier, and one of the reasons I brought him in here, and 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 he'll be with us moving forward because there's so much shit. Like it's just this is what's interesting about this record isn't the isn't the music, it's actually the story behind the record. Mm-hmm. So Morty, go ahead and give us a little, give us a little, like a little. Okay. Okay, so these guys, they're formed, they're a teenage garage band mm-hmm. in you know late 50s, early 60s. It's three brothers. It's Brian Carl Dennis on bass, guitar, and drums. Their cousin, Mike Love, who's singing you know lower vocals. And then uh, at different times, there's Al Jardine on guitar, and there's David Marks, who are both friends. They kind of go in and out of the band through this time. They come up like a lot of bands playing all this stuff. Brian is essentially the main writer, leader of the band. Right. You know, he he you know, he Dennis is really the only surfer. That's sort of the anomaly of the band is that they end up becoming, you know, this totem of L.A. life surfing and da da da. But Brian writes these songs. But Dennis is really the only guy that serves in the band. So they start, you know, interpreting this culture of cars and girls and surfboards. And they do become the typification of a California lifestyle band. And that's what we know. And that's what we know. That's everything you know. Yeah. Yeah. Endless summer, West Coast, cold sores, whatever you got. So, <laughs> um, uh, so, so they basically, Brian loves old doo-wop stuff. He loves these old sounds of, of these, uh, you know, 
these artists that did very tight harmonies and because they're brothers and, and a cousin, they have this incredible blend be between them mm -hmm. and they start moving this in while rock and roll is coming up. They're loving Chuck Berry. They're doing songs that are kind of ripoffs of that, you know, with these harmonies. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. All right, so get us to the up. get get us closer to they this get record. Signed to you're, you're... <laughs> they get signed. They get signed to Capitol Records. Now, right about this time, after they have huge, huge success, the British invasion happens. Yeah, the Beatles happen. So it's like 65? sixty five, sixty no sixty three. Kennedy's killed. Sixty four. The Beatles explode. Gotcha. Okay. And everybody's like, you know, uh, this new British thing. It's the whole thing. They're one of the only bands that retains its popularity in this time. There's mm -hmm. like them, the Four Seasons, and like Motown, yeah. and like yeah, the, of, of this era, <laughs> Mel yeah, May, yeah. Tony yeah. Bennett. So they're on the same label as the American version of the Beatles. The, in, in America, they're on Capitol Records, so they're sharing a record label. So they put out a bunch of stuff. They get to Pet Sounds, which is the record you know most people would say the genius started. But yes. before that, you know, Brian starts doing these things. You're talking about Little Surfer Girl in my room. He starts showing that there's another side. You know, there, there's 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 something sensitive and deeper than just cars, you know, mm -hmm. girls and dancing on the beach. So then he does pet sounds. Minds are blown. You know, minds are blown. God only knows. You know, it's like the first pop song that says God. Go on. Can I interject real quick? Yeah. I, I've listened to it. It is great. But number two on the list. Well, ask 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 the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles were like, holy fuck. What do we do now? Because I tell you beef there was beef no there was, it beef. was a, i think i think it was a very like a gentleman's one-upmanship but but with like a ton of respect <laughs> and that's I'll exactly see, what i'll happened. see your god only knows and raise you with a she's leaving home wasn't was white album after or was it sorry no, that's Pepper's 1968 oh, okay right. so i'll give you the real brief so they do yeah. pet sounds minds are blown people mm -hmm. are like holy crap this is genius this is beyond anything anybody ever could have done except for sloop john b it's sure. beyond anything anybody could do the beatles are uh, around this time the beatles are like we do rubber soul and they're seeing this happening brian hears rubber soul and he's like wow these guys are they're progressing like i'm progressing right. we're on to something like we're we're doing it and he's, you know, they're pitting them against, but they're, they're, they're on the same label, you know, capital stoke because they're making money on both bands and they're like, keep going dudes. So they do this whole thing. Brian starts working on a song at the end of pet sounds that he starts using this thing, you know, modal way of doing it, which is basically little sections of music yeah. that can be moved around. 
And he puts together this song that's kind of his teenage symphony to God called Good Vibrations. That's being worked on before this. He puts out Good Vibrations, and this is mind-blowing to everybody. It's got parts. It's got weird. Everything's remarkable. Beatles are knocked out. Paul's like, ah, I'll have what he's having. Everyone around this time is getting into weed, getting into, you know, they're moving into art. Brian freaks out on a plane trip on a tour, decides he has a panic attack, says, I don't want to go anymore. I just want to live in the studio and do this. You guys go on the road. Yeah. I'm going to be here. I'll be working on it with the wrecking crew, with all the dudes that play on the records. I'm going to throw together the next songs. You guys come home. You'll sing. I'll send you back on the road. Make some money. And I'll be out here doing this record and I'll be a genius working and writing in the studio. Is this when he started getting like fat? Yeah, he's so, he was always a little chunky, but now he starts, remember, he just did God only, he did, he did pet sounds and he did good vibrations. He's off the road and now people are indulging everything he does. Right. If he decides he's going to go in the studio all night and we're all going to like, you know, listen to our balls. That's yeah. what we all do. And we're yeah, all getting starts, paid. He starts living that not leaving this room life. Yeah. Like he starts that, that sort of health that comes along with a locked door. Yeah. Studio. Yeah, he would have done. He probably is loving COVID. Yeah. And now we take <laughs> the yeah. ultimate introvert. Yeah, now- I read that uh, Brian Wilson said that rubber soul was his favorite album. And Paul McCartney said, God only knows is his favorite song. Yeah. They were, so, they were a mutual appreciation society. Yeah. So now we get there up. We're at 60. We're at 66. The Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, they get the Derek Taylor, who is the Beatles PR guy who has helped the Beatles out. So mm-hmm. now his job is he tells everybody the next thing Brian puts out and the Beach Boys put out is going to be genius. No, you don't get it. It's going to blow everyone's mind. No pressure, right? Right. So he starts, this thing's going out there. They're being told the next thing he comes up with. Brian's in the studio now, and he starts working with a guy named Van Dyke Parks who is one of the piano player, keyboard player, multi-instrumentalists of the Wrecking Crew time. Sure. Van Dyke's a little bit out there, and he puts together poetic lyrics and weird lyrics, and Brian's totally cool. Brian has nine ideas of what this thing's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be a soundtrack record with laughing. It's going to be a sound collage. It's going to be about enlightenment because he took acid. It's going to be about finding himself in music. It's going to be about the relationship with him and his dad, which is going to be about chip witches, which he loves to eat. (laughs) Loves them. Loves (laughs) Loves a good chip witch. Yeah. Care of because he's on a diet. And then he does, uh, he, and then it's kind of one song. Then it's going to be about getting in shape. And then it's going to be about the elements. And then it's going to be about Americana. We're going to go on a trip across America and it's all going to be about, then it's going to be, and it's all of this stuff before he goes into starting to write this record with Van Dyke. He buys about $2,000 worth of hash and weed. That's going to be the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He, he, as you do, he, same as his, two in, chains. In his living room, he builds a sandbox and he puts his grand piano in it so he can play piano and write with his toes in the sand. Okay. You, know, okay. you know, totally normal. Totally. He builds a hot box tent so they can smoke all their weed right. in a completely unventilated tent in the dark mm-hmm. to like, get their work going he's going he's going like full act three of goodfellas all of yeah, it dude. all of it he's hearing harry nelson songs Put the gun he's down dead. karen and in the meantime he's also being prescribed because he's obese now mm-hmm. he's being prescribed what is essentially methamphetamine yep. cut with downers so he's now having speed delusions on top of uh, on top of everything else. And we now know that he had mental problems and auditory hallucinations prior to this 
So it's all culminating with his mental faculties, yeah. copious amounts of drugs, yeah. his band coming back into town and going, what the fuck are you working on with Van Dyke? This sounds like somebody on drugs wrote it. And he goes, and they hate it. Mm-hmm. They do this. They, they get ready to do this thing. Everything's happening. You guys will get to it later. Bunch of stuff happens. He uh, he basically uh, loses it. Partway into this, he, he there, we'll get to the factors of it, but he basically loses it and loses interest in the record. They've told him now, now we're in 67. Nothing's yeah. come out. Right. Good Vibrations has fallen off the chart. The sure. Beatles have already put out Revolver. The Beatles have already put out Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane. Right. Which so is at this a point, yeah. So at this point, he already feels like he's yeah, like, he what's missed the, the point. Yeah. And so you, now, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say when you when you look at like the Beatles as juxtaposed to the Beach Boys, any of you correct me if I'm wrong, including people in the comments. But like, doesn't it kind of feel like the Beatles were three? maybe three and a half if we're being nice, like savants, like genius musicians who had the, then like the next level of lightning in the bottle is who want to, well, at least for a time being want to work together. Whereas Brian Wilson was the savant and then had a whole bunch of other people who were definite musicians, but wanted more of the, like, we're just going to ride this out, which is what you see time and time. I feel a ride. Yeah. I feel like this is more of a ride. Am I right? He didn't have any other like ironing, sharpening iron. Like I feel like the Beatles had, which also kept them making amazing things, but also kind of kept them working and in check. Like you've got to get done with it because I'm done with my thing. Whereas he was kind of like in the wind and Mike love, as we all come to know, was probably more like, whatever man just give me the fucking songs i'll go play i don't whatever you know the beatles were lucky to have paul the beatles were lucky to have paul because paul would keep going all right guys we're going back in the studio we're doing sergeant pepper and they're like we have money we live in the lawyer part of england like ringo and john get to smoke weed and (laughs) sit outside i have have mr belvedere at my access all (laughs) the time exactly i got a rolls royce somebody's driving me in a rolls royce around dude this is where this is what we did this for right like i could literally call like you know, artists and they'll come over and be my girlfriend forever. <laughs> like that's it. So, yeah. you know, Brian's a little bit more like, what do you want, Brian? Great. Time and a half. Every drummer in town gets to come in and play. Boom. Is that good, Brian? Mm-hmm. A little lower. Boom. Like that's, they're indulging everything and they're yeah. calling him a genius. So 67 comes, the record doesn't come out. The record company, he's already sent in a list of the songs. The record company's already printed up covers. They're ready for this. They're like, any day now, dude, any day. Come on, here we go. And he's like, I don't know. Now I'm going to write a song. It's going to be about vegetables. Really, dude? (laughs) Like, now I'm going to do exercise. Now I want it to be about this. Finally, he basically loses interest in the record. Van Dyke got a record deal. He bounces. So all the songs he wrote, he's like, I gave them to you. Mike hates me. The band hates me. I don't need to do this with my, I'm going to go do my own record. Sure. Brian kind of goes, "Eh, I'm kind of done with it. So he just goes, all right, you know what? Let's record some of these songs. Let's put out this thing, Smiley Smile. And he puts out this record. And essentially, that's the decline of the Beach Boys career. Because in the meantime... Until Kokomo. Exactly. Yes, and, and dude. Josh Which is won. a Josh huge comeback, banger. dude. That If you're going to come back, Kokomo with yeah. Stamos. <laughs> that's too... Well, okay. That's, uh, cocktail, that's, the soundtrack to yeah. cocktail. It put the cock in cocktail. So basically, for the rest of the for the rest of their career throughout like the sixties stuff, they're putting little bits of this smile record 
on each record. They're re-recording a couple oh. songs. Maybe they're taking some of the backing track. And it becomes- so that's why when I read about it, people were saying I had already pieced this album together before it came out. This is before the internet. Imagine this. This is people that found old cassettes and records and a, and yard sale, and they would go, "No, this is how it goes." But it- it's really that's really like part of people's joy. I mean, we remember the remember the like eighties and 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 certainly into the early nineties of like the bootleg culture of the dead. Like that allowed so many people to connect and love and they, and it's all i'm not saying there isn't still those things but it's transferred into something else but that hunt and that joy i think was something that tied a lot of beach boys fans together much like it did the dad of like oh you have this part i've heard that you know what i mean oh yeah it was finders and and armchair mixers they would go at home and they'd go this is what brian meant he meant half of that because remember these are modal little sections a lot of them yeah take that and that that must be what heroes and villains is supposed to that must be and this went on until after all this stuff, they put it out. It's in mythology. We already know he's on Full House. They get a big career boost. Now, I'm saying is they're back. Brian's now getting, he goes through this doctor that helps him. He goes through rehabs a bunch of different times. He gets sober. He finds himself. He can now be good enough to go out, well enough to go out with the guys again here and there and play. They mend some bridges. Now we're at the 80s and we're starting to move into like Kokomo territory where, oh, you know, people, well, I've always loved the Beach Boys. You're also hitting that perfect. 20 year nostalgia mark. They're, he, they're a revival band. Everyone's now everyone's, you know, who grew up with them is like, I like the cars and stuff. And remember, the Capitol Records in the interim between this record not coming out were like, well, we're putting something out. So we're putting out Your Greatest Hits Volume One. Yeah. And then a little later, Your Greatest Hits Volume Two. So the only output from the Beatles, uh, from the Beach Boys in the Summer of Love in 67, where everyone is like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is cars and girls and the beach and by that point everybody had moved on yeah they're like right? who the fuck are these hokey dudes still singing about cars because they're just releasing greatest hits you're going any day now brian right. so he starts putting out some of the stuff on 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 each subsequent record up until i mean like six seven albums have like one two songs on it so now we move past the beach boys years later the mythology brian starts going out he's not really playing with the beach boys anymore they have a split Beach Boys are doing their thing with Mike and, you know, Brian's out with his thing. He has his little band that's going on. He sees this band, the Wondermans play late, late nineties, early two thousands. They play one of his songs and he goes, you know, if I had those guys, I probably could have taken smile on the road. So everyone around him goes, boop. They go, wait a minute, cash grab. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of them are like art, but you know, sure. come on. They go, whoa. So he talks to these guys. He takes them into his band. And he starts playing on the road. They're with him for a while because they want to sound just like him. Then he go, they go, come on, Brian, what about Smile? And Brian was scarred. He didn't want to talk about this experience. It was just bad, depressive mm-hmm. shit. But now he's worked through his demons. He goes, all right, all right. Well, maybe let's think about it. They work with him. They put together a set where Van Dyke comes back and helps write the songs that didn't get finished. He helps put together, they rewrite lyrics about the shit that he didn't like that Mike came in maybe and added a lyric. He went, no, nah, this is it. They put together a cohesive thing. They play a huge show in England. Everybody's there. McCartney, George Martin. Everybody wants to see this thing. This is mythology. Sure. This is yeah, the lost This, is, this is the show that you have to be at. Yeah. Like, and you're this told is, this is, yeah. This is like Use Your Illusion vol- Volume 2. That's what this is. But here's the reason you guys are... 
you guys talk about this record because now, but this was this was this is being told to everybody from this generation. Sure. This rivaled Sgt. Pepper. This yeah. would have blown Sgt. Pepper out see, of the water. And this is the thing that we were talking about earlier, Morty and, and DVK. Let me know if you agree. I can listen to Sgt. Pepper and be like, yes, this I know that came out in 67, right? Yes. But but it's still fucking dope today and then i listen to this and i can hear a few songs off it which we'll get to in a second where i'm like oh my god that this is this is fucking brilliant but then i'm like yeah 90 of this is kind of like well let's get right let's just give this for for context what we're listening to today or what you know what we're doing isn't an actually like officially done record this isn't exactly what it would have sounded like they have they have three guys well, they had three. They had three um, Dude, you've archivists. Had Forty years, bro. Well, can here's you, the thing: they had three genius archivists who put together this, and over what they assumed, what they read, what their you know facts said of what would have it wouldn't have been a forty-eight minute record with nineteen songs because records there were thirty minutes long. Right. So a bunch of this shit wouldn't have made it. And remember, Brian was like grabbing snatches of stuff and going, "No, wait, no, now this is a whole song about barnyards." And this is this is the whole premise to the John Cusack Paul Dano movie, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. This is like thought, what? Thought, I'm not to interrupt, but I thought you were about to be like, "This isn't the premise to the John Candy movie Summer Rental, <laughs> is it?" No, Uncle Buck. Yeah. So yeah, the guy so the, just trying to figure it out. So what, so what happens is Brian does this does this concert, and they go, "Well, now you have to make this a record." So he goes and does Brian Wilson presents in 2004 with right. all the stuff they did and they make it cohesive. The record company is like, well, he's already revisited it. He's not knocked out about it anymore. You know, he's right. not hung up. I bet we could probably get him to okay this next thing. Everyone's like, no, they, he burned the tapes. He set them on fire. He took them to the river and he threw them in. They're like, no, they're all sitting in Capitol. They're all in the vaults. We could literally <laughs> go in right now and play you the oboe part from any of these songs <laughs> right now. So they go, great. So he allows them. They put out this box set with a few years after the thing, 2004. So this is 2011. You end up with this whole thing. Why we're here today. It's on the list because this is mythology. This is rock and roll yeah. mythology. If this never came out, we'd still be talking about how this would be as good as Sergeant Pepper. If you ever got to really hear what Brian. If this came out in, this came out in 67 or 68. Yeah. Yes. You always, I, I see you'd that. always know it. I think it would be a different record if it came out in 68. Like you said, I think this yeah. would definitely be a lot shorter. You'd get rid of all the fat and it would just be, it would be some weird shit, but it would not be. Yeah. You know, well, the way I would tell you is when you think back, good, yeah. think of God only knows and think mm-hmm. of good vibrations. Can right. you, do you look at either of those songs and go, ah, oh, what are these pieces of shit? This isn't incense and peppermint. No, Josh. No. no. Incense, peppermints, ripples in time. Things yeah. we do. Okay. The games so we play. We, you would just take it as it would have already it always has existed. It'd be like the zombies, Odyssey and Oracle. You go, oh no, this just always existed. So And I think you make a really good point too, Marty, because it's it's the it's the top five hundred albums. It's not the top five hundred music. It's like the where do these albums fall in the story of music? Yes, and this is on this list because they I'll tell you why. For also this came out right before this list was made. So everybody was listening to this. Mm-hmm. And everybody. And on top of what we're going to listen to today, remember this box set has got like all the tracks. 
Like you right. could literally listen to just the guitar on that thing. Really? And, yeah. Jerk off to it. And then listen to, and then be like, no, that's not how we meant to mix it. And then everybody in their little system now is taking the tracks that are now available and making their own mix. Of Wait, what you can piece this together done. like a choose your oh, own adventure. Yeah. It's a oh, Legos yeah. album. Yeah. So we're Dude. So, so, so this also adds to the mystique of it being this I didn't know that. famous record. So yeah. I did not so know we that. end up I love with that. we end up with this. Listen, up until now, I was at I went to the zombies opening for the Beach Boys also with my kid and loved it. And my friends are in Brian's band and mm-hmm. were on that that you were talking about and I got some of the back. It was like that. It was like Okay, good. that makes me feel so that I cuz I was like that's I'm feel like I'm picking up on these like Some nights Brian would literally just be like <laughs> yeah. That was it. Like he would be like and they go way longer oh, than the boy. joke. Yeah, they go, "Oh boy." <laughs> like, "Oh." And then some nights he would be sublime. And wow. it all depended. And he would get up sometimes he'd walk over to the thing and then walk back. And they were like, "Yeah." And the band was a machine. The band was like, "We know." We know, we know what to do. We <laughs> Brian's here. He's the genius. Oh, he's, he's walking off stage. Okay. Huh. He's coming, he's coming back. Shit, at, at the hard rock, he never even got up. That he it started with him on stage and it ended with him on stage. So said, now we're gonna play something mm-hmm. that I wanted to say at the time. And the band started like, Oh, okay. Oh, here we right. go. It's literally like a weirder version of like Marty McFly's scene where he tells them to follow follow him for the highs and the lows and watch the key changes. A lot it? of that, but this band, but by, by the way, <laughs> this band is a motherfucker of guys. Yeah, you know, yeah, them, no, right? they're yeah, yeah, yeah they never missed a beat. They Literally. know that it's going to go down like this, right. so they're ready to put on the entire show, whether Brian shows up or not. Right. And Brian, <laughs> God bless him, man. Brian is still doing. He's still. Out, you get him on a good night. Yeah. You're seeing genius. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Don't you, you wish, DVK, don't you wish that you could have a stand-up set like that where you're just like, I'm just not feeling it tonight. But Bob, go up there and do half a set. For <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. You're just playing go with on, the man. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, so so that's the whole, that's the story of this. It's genius. Brian is still touring. Beach Boys version is still touring. Occasionally they get back together and do it. Sadly, uh, Dennis drowned, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then Carl passed away from cancer. 
So uh, the remaining Wilson of, you know, of this project is Brian and Mike Love, who is his cousin. And then Al, you know, pops in and out and some of the other players. So we're, I mean, we're lucky. Listen, you went to desert, you went to the desert trip, right? Yeah. We're lucky. See every one of these people. I don't care. Kiss, oh, Rolling thing. Stones, yeah. every one of them. This is it. This is when people go, God, I wish I could have. I've told people, I go, you will never say to yourself, I spent too much money on those Rolling Stones tickets. You'll never. Yeah, I, you you know what? And I, yeah. I fucked up. I fucked up on the last tour that the Stones did because uh, it was like tickets were like four fifty, and I yeah. just said, I was like, fine. Eh. They could be, I'm telling you, as your friend, they could have been triple that, and you would not have left there and said, ah, I shouldn't. Fuck. I miss Tom Petty. I got invited to go to Petty's last concert. Andy Wood texted me and was like, "You want to go see Tom Petty at the at the Bowl tonight?" And I didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. You He's know still touring. They, he goes out every year. Fuck it. I'll see him next mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. The concert that I'm, I'm so upset that I've missed, and I know he's never going to tour again, is Neil Diamond. Yeah, I well, would fucking yeah. love And he played the Greek. I feel that way about Tony Bennett. And it's and they just announced, you know, he's. My, yeah. friend Bill was, my friend Bill was the bass player. It was the bass player with uh, uh, Neil Diamond forever and said, we didn't even know. We were <laughs> Did, ready to go out heard, with him again. Have you heard well, Brian Regan's story? Brian Regan was in Vegas with his wife. And he was like, let's go see Carlin. Let's go see Carlin. He's here in town. We're in town. And instead, he got talked into going and seeing a Neil Diamond impersonator. And that was Carlin's last show. That was Carlin's last show. Damn, check this shit out. JT, remember you called me when I was working for Channel One News and you were like, yo, Carlin's about to do a small performance at Sirius XM. Do you want to come? And I was like, dude, I got to work. And I should have fucking left Mm. and I should have gone because I've never been able to see Carlin. And then he died, Mm -hmm. I think, like two years later. But I mean, it was like, how many people were there at the show? 50 or something. Fuck. It was sick. I went to his (laughs) I went to his last tour for the for what became that last album, everything. It was sad. He just sat at the piano and he didn't get up at all. It was so weird. Really? Yeah, Carlin. It was like it was really a bummer, man. He does great. He, the rest of, yeah, the rest of the, his melodies were way off. Near the rest the of the comedians on stage really <laughs> took over, though. It was great. They were like, "Shit, piss, fuck, cock, cock, cock." Well, like, shit and a piss and a fucking a cunt and a shit and a piss and a about fucking you. titties and bitch, titties and bitch. I can't wait right, for my ten-year-old to hear me on this. Okay, let's yeah, get, here we go. Let's get into some songs. Let's get into some songs because you know there's 19 of them on this record we're not going to go through all of them uh actually on the record there's there's like how many are there morty 78 actually yeah well, it's all it's every it's every fucking wow. glockenspiel so, part yeah so i wanted to play the first uh oboe track from the no i'm kidding <laughs> uh, let's just play the intro play the intro uh jt <laughs> So this this does set the mood to me. You know what I mean? It kind of like leads you in. If if I don't know if he was trying to go for religious overtones, maybe it's because you know, maybe it's because it's like almost God had to had to like touch them to give them the will to release and and finally get this record out. All I know is when I listen to this on my Bose headphones, high as balls, dude, I grab my crystal collection, lit some frankincense, and I was fucking. <laughs> In, dude, get that third eye open, Josh. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> hello, hello, uh, Morty. Do you have anything to say about this? Yep, it's basically Brian decided this was going to be the intro to the record. You were right, this is like this religious aspect, this enlightened feeling that he wanted to do. This was just going to be the intro, this wasn't even going to be a track. 
This is just going to be, we'll start the record with this thing. Hey guys, I wrote this and these harmonies and they double tracked them and they were likely high on Bose headphones. <laughs> yeah. So they were likely high. <laughs> and so he was just like, okay, we'll put this thing together. Lord's got his prayer. Beach boys have their prayer. Yeah. And so this yeah. is going to just open the record and that's what you're hearing. And like you said, when you guys listen to this with headphones on, you're like, Jesus. Yeah. Sonically. Yeah. This, the, dude, this is an album that is meant to be listened See, to on headphones. This is what I wonder, though. When he started this, tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like Brian Wilson was earlier onto this wall of sound thing. He was a huge Phil Spector. He was when he heard "Be My Baby." Yeah, he was like, "Whoa, okay. what is that?" Because it remember, felt, I feel a lot of Spectre in it when it's just like a yeah. Full... He had the same guys. <laughs> Yeah, he had a lot of the same players. It's almost this- like you're captive and he's got a gun to your head and he's taking all your <laughs> shoes and you can't fucking leave. Yeah, it's a weird, it's weird that the guy that had a weird relationship with his dad who hit him in the head with like a two by four and made him deaf in one ear would take to Phil Spector. Yeah. And Brian's like, I need a father figure that's a little that's a, somebody a little more compassionate. Yeah. yeah, the guy who put the revolver to his wife's mouth. That one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I've yeah. I heard so many Phil Spector stories after his death. I was listening to Stern, and I think at one point John Lennon, he shot a gun off. And John Lennon looked at Spector and was like, "If you're gonna shoot me, kill me, but but don't blow my fucking ears out because I need to be able to play music. So if you if like, don't don't be a dick about it. Either shoot everybody or stop. But like the in between thing, I don't, I can't take. I was like, he's like, if you do I'm it again, I'm gonna sick Yoko on you and she'll, and she'll well, give hey, you the five finger death punch. Fight. They'll fight. Yeah, dude, dude. Yoko like might be small, but that chick could probably kick high, dude. Um, all right. So then it goes into Gee, which I love because I say that to my dog. Gee. It's Jeep. I'm going to call it Gee, all right. which is like the butter. No, it's also called Clarify. Jif. It's also called Jif, but whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, but I want to get I want to get to the first song that that I feel is is if there's a reason besides good vibrations, why this album is on the record, it is heroes and villains. This song is extremely special. This is one of the huge highlights uh, of the record. Uh, and I, in my opinion of all the beach boys music, and this might be my favorite part on the whole record. JT play it. I've been in this town so long, so long to the city. I'm fit with the stuff. Dude, I'm gonna cry right now. <laughs> it's so beautiful, dude. And sunny down, sunny down stuff on the And then it gets all weird right here. By the the heroes heroes. Uh, this, in my opinion, is the, is the reason this this album is on the 500 greatest uh, list. It just hits me in the feels. Um, how do you feel about it, D? Yeah, same. I mean, same thing. I, I think it's great. There's parts of this that are absolute magic. And then I think that there's things that just got eroded over time. I, to go back to like what Morty said, like in the, in the moment, in the vein, like there's this thing about like in writing, right? Like if you're, when I'm writing a script, here's a better example, but it applies the same way. Lorne Michaels says, we don't, we don't go on air at Saturday night because we're ready. We go on because it's 1159 AM or whatever. So the, if they had just gotten it done, because otherwise you'll always, if you go away from any piece of anything and come back, I'm currently with a script on this right now where it's like, you'll just find like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I should change this. I, this could be better. Eventually you just have to like turn it in. So, but you'll always have moments that work no matter what, right? 
we we can't all be Terminator 2, but there will always be moments that work. And I think that's what happened here. So there's these magic moments like the opening and songs like this and a couple of other points. And, and obviously the stuff that came out and was a hit, but like it just too much with something is too much with something. Like Great yeah. records are not released. They're abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Say. I never thought of it like that's, that. Yeah. That's, that's what they sort strong. of say because nobody's ever – and nobody ever goes like, that's it. I'll never revisit this again. Right. It's the, and if you let everybody like indulge you and let you just spin out, you'll never stop spinning out. And even eventually by the time you do, you're so far away from where you started. I think that's so hard to come back and do, but you're still going to have – heroes and villains you're still gonna you, like some stuff will always be there but as a whole but that's what that's why morty i think you made it crystal clear it comes back to like it's an album that lives in a place in music that you can't not have on this list maybe it doesn't make the top 50 maybe it doesn't make the top 100 in this ranking i don't even think it's top 300 right but like if you're gonna do 500 and we're telling a story about music <laughs> this album's in it okay morty you got anything to talk about with this? yeah this is the first song he wrote with van dyke that set up this whole thing uh the reason it's probably so it sounds the most cohesive is because this is probably before they were too junked out and and sort of indulging everything this is the first thing they work on brian says i want this kind of three minute musical comedy western idea mm-hmm. i have an idea that's going to be similar to good vibrations it's got to have parts and i'm going to tell this that. story yeah and I so he that. puts this together they work on it. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is really good. I, I think this is the direction we're going sort of with this thing. And, you know, if they had kept with it, this probably would have come out and had all these great songs like this, you know, like an album of good vibrations rather than this stuff. But like you said, this is the modal thing. He started mm-hmm. grabbing stuff off of this song. He's like literally started bastardizing the song going, yeah, that third part, I'm going to take it off that song and I'm going to now use it down the line on something about uh, animals. Right. And so it was just too much time and, you know, too much indulgence. But yeah, I think this is, I mean, come on. This is, it's, you know, it's, this song is, this song is, in my opinion, one of the, in my, it might be the number one Beach Boy song I've ever heard. I do, none of the other songs have moved me the way that this one does. I remember when I got it, when it was the Brian Wilson record, I I cry a lot, by the way, Dan. So it's not like, like, I get it out, dude. I have a lot of estrogen, you know what I mean, (laughs) in me. And I cry a lot. And I I was going to cry when we played it in front of y'all because it's that beautiful. But also... Uh, the outro too. Play the outro because the outro is fucking perfect, man. The moto shit, dude. If, if I see it now, and, and it really makes perfect sense that it is these little sections that can be mixed and matched. And I mean, he fucking he matched perfectly everything for this song. Yeah, this um, ended up coming out later, and you know people liked it, but you know, and we're still hearing whatever version of this that we're getting to hear. But yeah, yeah. I would say if this came out at the time, remember this would have come out before Sergeant Pepper or like around that time, would have been would have. I mean, I think it would have been pretty heavy in the summer of love to have a lot of these things sort of coming out at the same time as a day in the life. Mm-hmm. And oh, if this yeah. yo, dude, if this would have come out when Sergeant Pepper was at full steam, yes, this this record would be it, it. It wouldn't even be a question if it was on the list because, like you said earlier when we were talking, it's like 
it's like you can it's hard to appreciate it coming out in 2011 when it should have come out in 1968 and exactly. and that makes perfect sense now day speaking of good guys and bad guys uh please explain to us uh how and why you thought you could be in the fbi oh well i didn't it was by accident and it wasn't i mean first of all all i did was i was an in they i was paid under the budget of intern but i i had a top level national security clearance and my fbi id number was 0758 but and i was at two meetings and i was like i'm never at liberty to speak about but <laughs> come on dude i love it's the what's the what's the statute i, of don't know, limitation? I promised Oh, dude, you're, um, you're who they're looking for. Yeah, no, it was weird, man. I, they were doing a job fair and it, it was U, uh, U.S. Investigation Services, which is contracted by OPM, which is like human resources for the government. So we did background investigations on the military and civilians. But then you have to fill out, you know what you have to do when you get a job like that for national security clearance? You have to fill out what's called an SF-86, which is essentially like your entire life on paper. That's the thing that fucking Kushner kept lying on like over and over and over and i'm like i filled this out it's not like they're gonna find out like it's everything they're gonna like there are ways the in which government, the government right yeah, yeah, yeah. they went to my like hometown and every like old high school teachers and like that and i was in college at the time so i was a theater major while also being a federal agent um sounds like a jj abrams show um and then uh, they would like go and talk to people i went to college with and they're like do you think daniel van kirk would shave every day if he needed to and they were like yeah and then they go do you has he ever been a part of an organization to overthrow the government by violent or nonviolent forces and they were like no like they would ask these people these really weird weaving questions to try to try to get them to like trip up about who i was as a person so i did that up until well i was there through 9-11 that was an insane day and then uh, like two months later, they moved their offices out to the suburbs and I just couldn't like be in a production of the crucible and be a federal agent out in the suburbs at the same time. I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know. We know where your loyalties lie with our country. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing the crucible. Then I got the scarlet letter. He's like, do you understand how busy I am? I'm doing, I'm how doing am I supposed uh, to be in our town place? and protect our town at the same time. <laughs> Did, did you already buy the brown shoes? Did you? Could you take it back? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right, so that was my time in the early early aughts as a federal agent. God, how light, how different would life have been? Because you think you could, you think you could still be doing? I mean, do you think you could have been an FBI agent like for real? Yeah, I mean, well, that's what the thing. So everybody goes through OPM as a backdoor into a field agent or like CIA, and then would at some you, point would, you need to like learn a second language as would well. Would you have gone to Quantico? If I if I had stayed with it eventually, yeah. But you know what's crazy is there's a mountain in, and it's popular. I don't think it's hidden. I just don't remember the name. But there's a mountain in Colorado that's a government facility that's all underground, and that's where our Chicago office like would relay all the investigation stuff with like the people who would go work there every single day. Like it was set up for probably I'm sure during the Cold War. Um, the or like even pre that like Bay of Pigs time, but that's that was like the next step. And they were always like, "Oh, are you gonna go? Are you gonna go field agent or go see?" I was like, "No, nah, I'm just going to school." It was weird. So you weird. did this I for had... twenty minutes, and they're already telling you where they're hiding mountains. No, I think it's common now. If I if I if it comes if the name ever comes to me, I'll hit you guys up about it. But I I bet it's like pretty, like people know it. 
Like they're like, oh yeah, all those government offices are like in a tunnel in the side of that mountain and then it's all underground. Because so, you know, there's like places all over the country, like they would take people and they always hear these rumors about like super wealthy people are on these lists to get like taken to these. Yeah, Club 33 at Disneyland. I hear they like, make all I, their agents. They teach you how to kill. A dream. I want to go to Club 33 so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Different reasons for wanting to go, but that does, stuff does still happen. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's my time. That's my time on the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm leaving. You guys have a good night. Please take care of Josh Adamias. He's gonna come back out here. No, no, no. We still have to do. Do you like worms? Please come back. All right, let's do. Do you like worms? Uh, roll Plymouth Rock. Uh, another highlight for me. Uh, this is very Beach Boysy. JT, play it. Um, so this this sounds like a lovely song, but uh, Morty, I'm told that it's not. Uh, you know, okay, so starting off, the reason it's got this title is capital. He wrote this title down, and nobody even knows why it's called Do You Like Worms. Because, like, somebody wrote it somewhere, and it might not even have been this song. Somebody capital's like, hey, that's a great name for a song. And he's like, no, no, it's Roll Plymouth. It's Roll Plymouth. And they're like, I don't know. We like, we like Do You Like Worms better. We're going to put that on the album cover. Like that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, Christ. And so it's called this. Nobody knows why. So it's really sort of the beginning of this American part of this idea of like a travelogue. Get on a train, go across country. There's mm -hmm. this like Hawaiian stuff mm -hmm. that sort of starts happening, which this ended up when it's on the Brian Wilson record be called, called In Blue Hawaii, which goes there completely with yeah, the Hawaiian that makes, thing. That makes more sense to yeah. me. So it's basically just while he's talking about the trains and, you know, going across country, everything, then it starts getting into, which is like this sort of like, you know, the slaves, the people that, you know, you know, built it and all this stuff, the, the, the recolonization of America and the settlers and the Native Americans. And then what we did to the Native Americans, because you can't take acid, talk about Native Americans and then not feel bad about that in some way. You know what I mean? You might start off like dancing around and then you kind of go, man, we really. Right. We really did him a number. Everybody and always then, takes LSD and has a moment where you feel bad about the Yeah, they, well, they always see like Every a Native trip. American on a hill and they go, ah. <laughs> yeah, Every so it happens. Yeah. So they basically, yeah, like the doors in the desert. They saw some Native American dude and he was like, oh, great. That's this part of the trip. Yeah. You know, when yeah. did we get to the ice cream? So, yeah. So they do this and it would have had more of this deeper, you know, recolonization and, you know, and all this other stuff. And then there's the little part at the end, which is uh, when you hear this Hawaiian part is actually a Hawaiian Thanksgiving prayer that you hear. At the oh, end of this good yeah. to know. So All, right. You listen I'm to in, yeah. All right. I'm in great shape. Um, this is pretty hilarious. Um, Morty, go ahead. Tell it. <laughs> okay. This is this is originally this and the next thing are actually little pieces of heroes and villains originally that he just basically went. I'll take that. You know, I know we're not done with the record yet. So, I mean, that song's great. We had everybody play. Sure. I'm going to pull that little section. I'm going to move it over here. Uh, along with some of the other ideas that he had with his hot box tent and his sandbox and his <laughs> other weird shit, he decided one day. Hotbox tent, one of my favorite bands at Warp Tour. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't give hot box tent their, their, you know, they need credit. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So they, so, so he basically, one of the times during this, he decides, no, no, now I'm going to get in shape. I'm getting fat. Uh, I'm going to get in shape. And he has this living room filled with those blue PE tent of uh, those blue, yeah. blue PE uh -huh. uh, pads. And now everyone's going to work out. I mean, everyone, but Brian, cause he said, I'm late. I don't really want to do this. <laughs> so everyone else is going to start doing exercise. 
And now this records, this is the part of the record where we're all getting in shape. And that was now he grabbed that part of the song and went, I'm building this. I'm in great shape. That's what I'm doing with this. And so that's like, yeah, hey, what Mike, do, do push-ups. I'm going to eat this Choco Taco. This and, is and trip off my yeah. Native American friend. You guys are doing great. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Barnyard. Uh, see, this is where we start getting a little weirder. These these last few songs, you know, I'm, these aren't my favorite off the record. Um, hey, I'm going to – I'll get hate. Some of this I I felt like it was almost unlistenable for me. Like I was like, I don't – are we even still hearing a song? Now, if somebody else tells me, yes, here's why, and I love it, I'm going to go, okay, great. Like, it's that's why it's art. If we all loved it, it would be horrible art. And if we all hated it, it might not be art. But the the difference is why it's what it is. Dude. Yeah, these are, here, these are here because they're snippets, but they've become mythological snippets of, well, now Brian's talking about great shape. We got to We got to put this on for the, for the fans. And now Barnyard... Okay, he and his friends were in the studio making barnyard noises for a mm-hmm. session. Going, <laughs> we have to put this on because people have to, even if it's 40 seconds. We have to. We got to just stick this on. Yeah, right. We have to. <laughs> yeah, people want to know. We have to. Okay, yeah, this, this, this is the question I want to ask you about barnyard. If you had to have sex with one animal, what would it be? And A human. <laughs> okay. <all right>. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so hard. It's like, well, what How's do I do? Like? I mean, Good I answer. mean, I saw what a horse can do to you when I saw that Mister Hand clip. I mean, well, I, I mean, if we're really gonna go down this road and get these letters that we're gonna get sent to us, uh, like dolphin or chimpanzee would probably have the most awareness of what's happening and also maybe enjoy it, right? Yeah, for sure. Especially if the dolphin's fucking you, because you, you're assuming when you have sex with it that you're giving. You might be getting. So at least with like a dolphin or a, like a primate, like they might be like, yeah, we, I know what's going on here. I'm way into this. Like they have agency on some level. That's the main problem with sex with any animal is finding where they have the agency to be a part of it. <laughs> it's got to make sure it's consensual too. And with a dolphin, enthusiastic. You know yeah. Well, a dolphin oh. is definitely going to be enthusiastic consent. I was going to say the best I, part about having sex with a dolphin is they always look like they're enjoying it because they're like always smiling. <laughs> so you sure. never have that hang up like they're not. Uh, you, she's thinking about somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, they also have those rape caves. But that was a great band of Coachella. That was a different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were early in the afternoon, party. but they still put <laughs> yeah. on a good show. Very <laughs> really, early. Really in half hour. Gives the war tour. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I got rape caves. Uh, Chip witch. What was the other one? Hotbox Hot tent. Hotbox tent. Sand in my toes. All right. Uh, so then my only sunshine. Um, so when I heard this, because he sings that song, my only son, my only play a little bit. So when I, I this is how stupid I am. When I first heard this, I was like, damn, BW wrote this shit too. I was like, that motherfucker must eat shrimp at every meal. He's that rich. Um, good. I like the way that he uh, incorporated it. I see what you were saying more to your earlier. It's just he's taking whatever he wants. Um, this is goes, like a it's a buffet album. Like, do you want buffet. do you want cheese on your sushi? You can have that. It's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, he's given love to he's given love to standards. You know, I think in his mind he wanted to write. You know, he wanted to write songs that would be around for a hundred years, like these kind of songs had been around. And this is actually sung by drummer Dennis Wilson. 
So oh. one of the rare ones of this era, you know, he did stuff forever and he had his own record, but this is one of the songs where, you know, rarely do you start talking about Dennis being a lead singer mm-hmm. on beach boy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, even a lead drummer a lot of the time, but yeah, he, uh, so, so yeah, it's kind of nice that, that he featured him on this. I think it's creepy right. personally. It is. <laughs> it's definitely I can't argue got, with you. It's definitely got like, like this is something like a ghost would sing. You know what I mean? To like oh, yeah. a baby. Like there'd be the baby in the thing and the ghost would be like, you are my son. This is like the intro music to a PlayStation 1 horror game. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Resident Evil 4. <laughs> the scary part's the end. Right at the end, you hear like that weird music going like. Yeah, very great. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, where you start, that's where you see the Native American in the trip. Yeah, tripping, dude. The paint dripping off his face. And he's like, we're all dead here. All right, let's skip ahead. We got Cabin Essence, uh, another good song. But uh, all right, so let's get into Wonderful. More, do you want to tell us about that? Basically, this is kind of the only other love song on the record. Uh, Van Dyke basically said when he started working with Brian Wilson was like, you know, I really worked with them because I really wanted to pick up chicks. They were a really (laughs) cool band and I wanted to work on it. So Wonderful is either the name of, you know, love, blessings, whatever, uh, his wife, Marilyn, or a... uh, what he called a women's private parts, which I you, I read that you you wrote that and here play play this because I didn't think that was actually apt, but I found a little section. Play forty seven seconds in. Further down the path was a mystery. That Through the recess, come on. The chalk and numbers. I mean, a, a boy bumped into her. One, one, wonderful. He's talking about a vulva. Just one, one, <laughs> wonderful in the pink, and two, two, wonderful. Sorry, it works. All right, all right. Yeah, so that's the great songs. Look is great. Uh, Child is the father of the man. Uh, to me, just play 53 seconds in. He had a really bad relationship with his dad. And he, you know, when he took asthma, he, he wanted to revisit how the, the term itself comes from an old from 1802 poem by uh, William Wordsworth. But basically it's saying like, we are the experiences that we were as children. So mm-hmm. everything grows with us. So when you're the man, your your child basically becomes you. So your child is the father of the man. It all began with you. So you kind of learn from yourself. And this sort of helped him in the exploration of his own relationship with his father. And so it was very important to him to sort of work his way through it like this as well yeah brian was a deep cat yeah it's too deep almost i think for his own good or or and i know i come back to this but i think that's the real crux of it and you definitely hit on it morty is like for as deep as he was gonna be he found himself around people who allows him to indulge himself to just keep digging but ironically not his dad who was for all by all accounts like made him shit in front of the like on a newspaper in front of his like what? family there's all kinds of shit he, like i said he made him deaf in his ear by hitting him in the head he's like there's a lot i mean and he, he took their publishing that they put him in charge of and he sold it out from under them no shit like yeah there's it was murray wilson is not very beloved 
in the Beach Boys. I yeah yeah yeah. I would I would buy it. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to talk about two more tracks. Uh, the first one is Vegetables. Uh, this is another one of the highlights on the record. Uh, Morty, tell us about it. Uh, <laughs> Brian's on a health kick. What do you eat when you're healthy? You eat vegetables. He came up with this title probably like when you're stoned and you say something stupid like Metalark Lemon and then you say it for like an hour until it means nothing. He probably went vegetables, vegetables. Wait, who says that's funny that you said it like that. So what he said was, this is Brian quote, I want to turn people on to vegetables, good natural food, organic food. Health is an important element in spiritual enlightenment, but I do not want to be pompous about it. So we will engage in a satirical approach. So we Which- ate it. Is funny because BW is known for being a druggy fat dude. Yeah. But he also he also well later he opened up a he opened up a health food store in West Hollywood called the Radiant Radish. Years later, is that did. still and open? He would, in, he would no no it closed. It was like three years old. But he would come in in his bathrobe with his beard and his sandals and just work in his own store. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's real. He's like, he's just sitting at the, re- he's like, Hey, I hate to, I hate to tell you, Mike, but Brian has just been sitting at the register for about four hours and hasn't moved. We have to turn the lights off and set the alarm. Um, I've yeah. So Paul McCartney was in town and visited the studio during this session. And after watching Brian and the crew recording themselves, munching vegetables, Paul picked up a stalk of celery and joined in, which made me, I mean, how would they to see them do that live? And then afterwards be like on the base, Carl Wilson and coming in on the ones and twos on the asparagus. Give it up for Paul McCartney. I think he's got to imagine Paul McCartney is <laughs> about to work on Sergeant Pepper or is working on Sergeant Pepper. And he goes, let's see what, let's see what Brian's doing. The genius of all time of all genius. Mm-hmm. And he walks in and he's like, Oh, you guys, sorry. Did I catch you guys at lunch. No, 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 no. This is our new song. It's called vegetables and we're all eating vegetables. And he's like, Oh, see, we have a 90 piece orchestra and we have the world turning backwards in our studio in England. Right. But glad you guys. Have, yeah. No, give me a piece of celery. Here we go. Now you got to pay me time and a half. Um, I, before, I feel like we got to mention elements cause you have, you wrote like a book about it. So can you sum up elements, the fire? One more idea of what might, this record might've had all over it. He works on something called, uh, the element, this was the, the fire portion of the elements. And obviously Mrs. O'Leary's cow, you know, the story of the great Chicago fire, I assume having some understanding of Chicago, he, he, uh, he decides, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be fire. It's instrumental. It's going to have all these sounds. We're all going to, he hands out little plastic firemen hats to everybody in the studio. 
so they can get in the, he has people bring buckets in and they light shit on fire in the buckets so that there's smoke in the studio and it's going to do all this. It's going to be gnarly. And he does it. And then he finds out like the next day, this is, this might be apocryphal, but there's an, something about this here. There were an inordinate amount of fires in Los Angeles when they were doing it. And even maybe across the street or next door, something burned down and Brian, not at all delusional said, Oh my God, I think I did this. And decided to scrap it. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. I know. Just any sort of delusion of grandeur combined with drugs is a recipe for Yeah. And I wish he had the grandeur part. (laughs) Who would have come out? Well, if he had the delusions part. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I know so many comics that are just like Brian Wilson. It's not even funny. (laughs) All right. Let's get to the hit. The one that we all came here for. The one that was plastered all over the title of the, of the, the smile. It's there. It's everywhere. It's good vibrations. Uh, Play one of the most iconic songs of all time. JT play a little clip. I I love the colorful clothes you wear. And the way the sunlight plays upon uh, In my opinion, this is a song that I think everybody knows. Everybody knows it. If you asked Kodak Black to sing this, he could. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Morty, tell us about it. Basically, he heard his mom, he saw a dog bark or something. His mom said something about, you know, oh, it can tell your, your vibrations, your vibes. And in his, in his you know, hyper you know, sensual mind of sex. He was like, wait a minute. So the universe has like cosmic vibrations. And he was like in this whole thing, like a dog could sense it. And then he has the guy that he's writing with at the time, try his hand at it, write some lyrics. And then he's like, no, that's not really what I'm saying. So he ends up, Mike Love basically starts, comes in and goes, we're going to write about chicks, which is basically what happened. So she's given me good vibrations, not the universe, not a dog, not the, not, not enlightenment, not acid. She's giving me good vibrations. So now it, it it's a love song, but it's one of the most important songs. People usually connect it more to pet sounds than they do to this because he sort of started it prior to working on this record. Yeah. And, but without these parts, you don't get Bohemian Rhapsody. You don't get a day in the life. I believe that. I believe you don't that get for Smash sure. Mouth. You don't get some of the stuff the Doors did. I'm serious about the Doors, though. Like some of these sounds. Here's the thing, though, too. And maybe I'm just retrofitting it for my own nostalgia in life. But it also feels like to me it's the most song that sounds like it's a fucking song. Like it's like you know what they say. Like the most common music. Like oh, there's a bed underneath. Like literally, the bed is underneath while the vocals are on top, and then you stop that to get in. Like Wee! like that becomes its own part where that lives in the song to join it up to the next part. Like, whereas so many other parts of this are so many other parts of things where it's like, we'll put this, it's like, it's like when you're, you're in like, you're working on any sort of collaborative project or you're in a writer's room and somebody's like, I, I, it's a, I don't know if there's a better name for it, but I call it like, what about if thing? Like where somebody's like, well, what about if, what about if this, and then what about if like, and they there was no one to say no to Brian about it. And then he just kept what about it thing like so much music. But this one is the most to me feeling like it's not only does it work because it's beautiful and perfect, but it's just very straightforward. <laughs> Here's this is this. But you can also it, it's dude, it, it's like it's perfect. So if it took if it took fucking 200 hours, like they got something that will like if the rest of their catalog was, you know, was was just forgotten like this song will always live on this is 
such an important song. I'd say out of all the records we've done on the 500 album list so far, this is probably one of the most important ones because of what it did for music. And I couldn't even imagine what that was like to hear this for the first time in the sixties and being like, what the fuck is that? What is that? Well, now Um, you know why, now you know why Capitol was like, yeah, indulge yourself a little bit. Yeah, work on it. Yeah, Yeah, now you know why the Beatles were like, uh, we have to do Sgt. Pepper. You know, this song, even if it wasn't, it was the starter pistol, even if it didn't win the race. Mm -hmm. All right, you want to do a couple facts and then we'll get you out of here? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, the first fact that I found was Brian Wilson is the father of Carney Wilson from Wilson Phillips. I literally just found that out. I had no fucking idea. Dude, is that- you got to hold on for one more day. You're going to be dropping <laughs> facts like that. Okay. Among the manifestations of Brian's mental issues during this time were him thinking a painting of him had captured his soul and him having band meetings in the middle of his pool so he couldn't be spied on. That's fucking, you got to stop, right? <laughs> like that's when you find out like who really gives a shit about you. What, dude, tell him, tell him, didn't, Morty, isn't there something about a Jewish conspiracy? Like you yeah, said, basically that- David Anderley, who's the guy that was going to run their, right at the same time, they're going to, they're going to open their own record label, Brother Records. And this David Anderley is a friend of them. So David paints Brian a painting of, he, he paints him a painting and he's like, you know, hey, Brian, I, I'm going to give this to you. And Brian looks at it and he freaks out and he's like, oh my God. And he basically believed the painting took his soul. He's not a racist, <laughs> but Phil Spector happened to be Jewish. David Andley happened to be Jewish, you know. Uh, so in some way in his mind, he imagined that there was kind of some Jewish conspiracy and they were having private investigators maybe follow him around and check up. So he's in the middle of the pool pruning with the band going, OK, so we're going to have our meetings here now so nobody can do whatever. And by the way, Phil Spector not probably was having Brian Taylor. The only thing worse than being overly paranoid is being right about it. Yes. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Last fact. Uh, and I like this one and more. You're going to have to explain it a little bit more. It was, it was alleged that after Mike love heard some of these songs, he warned Brian don't fuck with the formula. This is one of the most famous stories of this time was just, you know, they're, they're working on it. And, you know, he's like, here, here's my new thing. It's about my, my belly button and the universe and dogs and fucking cats. And, <laughs> and then Mike's like, don't, don't fuck with the formula, dude. Right. Like we all have houses. We're all like, you know, like we're like, we can do whatever we want. I'm, I'm a balding rock star, yeah. literally yeah. rock star. I don't even have to wear a hat. Right. You know, I, I, mean, still I could pussy. literally go out right now and still pull at the whiskey a go go. He's yeah. like, don't fuck with the farm. So this is like, this is like the like one of the great, like one of those great stories, and it's it's been corroborated a lot of times, maybe a little bit paraphrased, but that was basically it. Brian, uh, Mike would have been happy if they did another three, four records yeah. of what they were doing and kept going with it. But you know, he also recognizes that his cousin was a genius, and they ended up with God only knows and good vibrations and these other songs. So he's not. Don't ever don't think that Mike wasn't in on it. In right. some respect. And yeah. Respected. But, but you know, if, if, if I was, if we've been doing yeah. all shits about deuce coops and fucking, he came in and was oh, like, yeah. I'm doing a song. Yeah. I'm going to need you to eat some Brussels sprouts. 
into the microphone. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like something's wrong with you, bro. When you're right. Andrew Dice, when you had Andrew Dice Clay, and he was like, "No, now I'm not going to be a misogynist. I'm going to care about women. My next thing is going to go." They go, "Hey, uh, Dice, don't don't fuck with the formula." Yeah, yeah. dude, you had do you dirty know? nursery rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I got some rapid fire questions for you, Dan, and then you're Hit out me. of here, brother. All right, favorite song on the record? I mean, it's got it, it's good vibrations, hundred like, yeah. percent. I'm I'm heroes and villains, Morty. I mean, good vibrations is maybe as good as anything ever been put in the canon of music. It's the most yeah. Listen, it's the most important. Hundred percent good vibrations, but heroes and villains touch my soul. Also, surfs up. Listen to surfs up when you guys get this record. Just so you know, it's one of the most beautiful like. It's Leonard Bernstein. Like, it's one of the most famous, beautiful songs of all time. Don't even know what it's about, but if you get a chance, you, listen to it. It's gorgeous. It's about surfing, dude. That's it's the listen. If if you've heard any other Breach Boys prior to this, you don't need to listen to Surfs Up. I bet. Well, ironically, it's not. It's it's supposed to be breaking their mold of being surf band. That's the joke. Well, I'm surfing and I'm hating on the Jews and there's a conspiracy and there's some people in my head. Uh, least favorite song on the record, DVK. <laughs> For you, probably you buy about eight tracks worth. Yeah, I mean, it was really around like Cabin Essence, which is a title you would think I would live and die you love by. Love Mancation. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. I. It's hard. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be overly negative. Somewhere in the third, you could just pick a track somewhere in like the back third where I was like, <laughs> okay. what am I listening to? All right. Uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? I mean, obviously, Children is Father of the Man. Um, no, I don't know. Well, Good Vibrations, right? Uh, Although, I mean, you know what? Honestly, Our Prayer. And yeah, the that's got some like, we're in for a mood. Sexual... Yeah, but but also you you made me think good vibrations. If you lay the song out in its modal sections, it's almost like like fucking. Like the beginning is like, ah, and that's when you're like warming up and you're making yeah. out, and then it uh -huh. kicks in. And you're boo, and then you're thrusting. Sure, and then it works. It, and then it Flies does that great song. And then you're like fuck leg cramp. And then the right. end is where you finish, where it's like, and then they're like, what happened? And you're like, God only knows. <laughs> Right. And and the last question we ask every guest, uh, does this record deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? I would. Yes. I think that, like I said, for me, it comes down to realizing that they're not saying the word music. They're saying the word albums and where it, you're doing 500 and you've got to consider what an album, like how it influenced other people as well as what it like where it lives in the canon of music that was made certainly in America. Um, although I know we're, we're much, you know, we're international with the list, but yeah, my sh uh, short answer. Yes. You, would you agree? <sighs> yes. Uh, yeah. Because but I think Mor Morty's really onto something when he says, you there's a reason that all the Oscar movies come out in December, right? Like Sea Biscuit doesn't happen very often. You have a movie come out in May and still get nominated for Best Picture. Like it came out at the right time to make sure it was included on this list. Had it had they had it come out in '87, yeah. and then they do this list, maybe it doesn't make the cut. I think you'd have a stronger argument because you have a stronger argument for it making the cut, as it was like front of brain for everybody when they were putting this together. Yeah, yeah I haven't looked to see where it is on the newer refined list. I don't so think it's on there. I don't there. think it's on the. I don't yeah, think it's, I bet on it's the, not because it's not. because they're saying like, well, we got pest sounds. We, we don't need the you know. But at the time, it was it was 
It was germane which, to what was happening. Which is funny, and this would be the, this little button on this, is that on the new list, Sergeant Pepper, which was number one, when Sergeant Pepper and Pet Sounds, Sergeant Pepper dropped to 25, which blows my fucking mind, and mm-hmm. Pet Sounds stayed right at number two. I believe it. I okay. completely believe it. Team Beatles. <laughs> You're Team Beatles. Can Beach I ask Boys. you a completely <laughs> random top 500 question? And I am saying this without, it's not a joke. Is my own prison on the list? The Creed Is, album? Yeah. Um, did that come out after that? Or did that come out after 2012? I don't know. Creed, no, it Dude, came out in 1999, bro. Hey, I remember Rolling Stone did best the 10 best albums of the 90s or best albums of the 90s, and they included it on there. And they said, forget everything you know about this band and every dumb shit that Scott Stepp did and every, every album that followed it and all their stupid videos. If you just listen to this, of when it's coming out in the '90s, it's a banger of an album. Yeah, and I've I, always I, kind of, it, yeah, I've always kind of thought place. of it since like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I think curious. it's like Papa Roach. I think it's one of those things where no, you know, no, you're, shut no, no, your on, fucking on, mouth, hold on, dude. No, hold on, dude. Hold on. Creed, dude. Uh, Cre- Brian dude. singing "Child is the Father of the Man." He's trying to work out his shit with his dad because he's in his twenties, and that's when you do that, and the world's listening. If you're 30 and you're going, I cut my life into pieces, then you just got to seek therapy. But Sold My Pity for a Dime is a great song. Full disclosure, I should have said this before I started talking about Creed. I saw them in 1999 at the Aragon Ballroom, and (laughs) in the balcony next to me was a man and woman having full-on intercourse. So (laughs) Creed will, and then the dude looked at me and was like, what? I'm like, you're fucking at the concert. Literally. <laughs> you're like, you're like, get over here with arms wide open. That was more legs. legs. It was more legs. With legs wide open. It's a perfect impersonation of Creed. Uh, DVK, this was so much fun, man. Uh, I can't oh, thank, thank you enough you. for coming on, dude. Uh, so promote away, whatever you want to promote. Uh, I do a lot of shows j- during this weird, crazy-ass time while we're all waiting to get back out on the road and do fun stuff. So go to danielvankirk.com. I'm not exactly sure when this is dropping, but on the 20th, Rory Scoville and I are doing a live pen pals. We do that every single month. It's a podcast where people send us letters, and that's it. Your po- it's your podcast. We just talk about it. It's super fun. On the 24th, if you're a member of my Patreon, I'm talk- I do a movie club, and I'm talk- we're talking about Days and Confused. Nice. On the 27th, I am doing a live Dumb People Town with the Sklar Brothers. Go to danielvankirk.com for tickets. Our guests are, the musical guest is Open Mike Eagle, and our comedic guest is Mr. Jack Black. Who so is that'll he? Be super I've, fun. I've never heard of, yeah, of, me uh, either. Um, he did a he did afternoon at the museum, I think. And then um, <laughs> on the fifth, I'm doing a bingo night, uh, which is really really fun. You can win prizes, you can win money, and we also raise money for no kill animal shelters, big brothers, big sisters, and food banks in your area. So if you win, one of those organizations in your area wins too. And then uh, that is a m- official movie club where I've never seen Casablanca. So people have watched it. I'm going to watch it. And then we're just going to get together and talk about it. But this plus bingo and tons of other fun shit is all at danielvankirk.com. And then on March 26, uh, we're having a, a Creed uh, watch party, mm-hmm. the we movie and in. a live concert of them. Yep. Just, uh, any, hey, if you're a clayhead like we are, fucking dude, get in. Clayheads, dude. <laughs> I'm all clayhead, dude. Uh, I had such a blast, brother. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, I love hanging out with all you guys. Thank you for having me. And hopefully I see you soon in real life or here. Whenever you want, I'm down. All right. Later, gents.
What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Daniel Van Kirk, guys. Follow him on all social media at Daniel Van Kirk. And for all things DVK, go to his website, DanielVanKirk.com. Make sure you check out both of his podcasts, Dumb People Town, with our friends, the Sklar Brothers and Pen Pals with Rory Scoville. And like DVK said, he's got a bunch of great stuff coming up where you, the audience, are involved on a bunch of live streams. Make sure you sign up for those and have a good time with the one and only DVK. Now, we just listened to the Beach Boys from 2011. Actually, it's like 1968. For new music this week, we got the drums. And you're listening to their song, Ambulance, which came out last December on Anti Records. The drums are an American indie pop band from New York City. They were listed number five on BBC's Sound of 2010 list. And that same year, ranked number one in NME Magazine's Top Tips for the Year and Pitchfork's Best Hope for 2010. You can find all the links on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week, oh, this is a good one, Toots and May Tall's Week, and we're going deep into their 1973 record, Funky Kingston. Listen to it. It's so fucking good. Do your homework. Doogle doogle. Stay him.
down your own trip, honey Lay down at the beach, Johnny Be your own, honey Kiss your own skin, Johnny Spit on your own dick, honey What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Next Chapter Podcasts.